North Knox. My husband Rick and I, who just went to be with the Lord a year ago, were part of the group that helped start Alpine back in 1982. Hi, my name is Lynn O'Brien, and I started coming to Alpine Chapel in 1994, about 26 years ago. My name is Vicki Rowe, and I've been at Alpine for 28 years. I'm Kenny Teller, and uh, this is my wife, Polly. And we've been coming to Alpine for 23 years, since 1997. Well, my name is Steve. Everybody calls me Gusto. My wife, Erica. We first came 24 years ago. We started off as kind of a house church. Um, we came from two different churches, one in Arlington Heights and one in Prospect Heights. And we met in um, our homes, a couple of homes, and we would read scripture and we'd sing and we'd pray about whether the Lord really wanted us to start a church in Lake Zurich. And the conclusion was, yes, definitely. I remember the most is the incredible excitement, the, f the feeling that we were doing something really new, really cool, and, um, and there was just such a sense of family. I think that was the biggest feel that we had, that God was bringing us here and we were a family and we wanted to reach out to the neighborhood and, and start a church. And we did. We first came to Alpine on an invitation for some friends, enjoyed ourselves. We were given a loaf of bread as first time visitors. That kind of that sense of like neighborhood feeling, like welcome to the neighborhood, uh, which was you know, to us, I think, really cool. Uh, that, you know, making people feel welcome. I think we felt really welcome there. We made friends really quickly. The place was a lot different then. We didn't have the gym. Um, it was really, the auditorium is was the building and the downstairs where the fireplace and kitchen was, that's where they did Iwana, <laughs> down in the basement. So uh, it was quite a bit different. My youngest son started going to Iwana's at, at um, Alpine they invited him to church and so because I wasn't going anywhere I decided to join him one day. I really liked the worship that was, they had a lot to do with it. The messages and stuff everything was just different from what what I had been to. My journey absolutely began when I started coming here. I believed in Jesus as my Savior. I did not know how to walk with him. I didn't know what that looked like. God knew exactly where to put me at the exact right time. And I ended up volunteering to help uh, teach a three-year-old class of all the kids, the three-year-olds. I realized that God chose me to teach the three-year-olds so I would learn the children's stories. So Linny would know um, about the wonderful stories within the Bible, which I never grew up with. I didn't know any of them. And um, so 13 years was just an incredible, and I still have a heart for three-year-olds. There, there was a time where I needed to, you know, I was supposed to go to church, and then at one point, I don't know when it was in my journey to this, you know, to this point today, that I couldn't wait to get there. The Bible came alive, you know, through here you know, through my small groups that came out of church. We got with a group of people, you know, no one was a pastor in our group, but man, there was so much sharing and, you know, we dug in deep on the Bible. We challenged one another, working through that together, wrestling with it, it was good. It was growth, you know, it was really good. It is interesting that right now we are moving towards community in, in homes. And I think you can really build a lot of um, 
love and, and accountability and, and openness there. That's my home. They're my family. Um, you know, I, I've raised two boys, and Rick and I did, and um, there were times when Rick and I would look at each other and say, why didn't we have six? And then other times we looked, why do we keep, well, we should just stay with cats. They're so much easier. It's hard raising a family, but you hang in there, and, and I feel the same way about the church. Church is my family, and um, sometimes it's really uncomfortable. Sometimes it's, like, um, frustrating, and uh, change is not easy. It's not always, you know, easy. It's because sometimes it's the unknown. But it, I do trust the leadership, and I trust that there's, there is a direction. Um, I believe that the Holy Spirit is leading us somewhere. Don't know where, but I want to go there. I want, I want to be a part of that. There's been times when one of us or both of us might not have been happy with something that changed or how things were going. We, you know, whether it was music-wise or like, oh, we wish the, the youth were doing this or going here. It's still about what God's purpose is, and that is to stay within the body and to support the body. It was challenging, but we never once did it ever come up in our household that we wanted to leave this family, this church family. For us, it always came down to this is our family. And, you know, I just always think of when Jesus was, you know, challenging the disciples and he said, are you going to leave too? And Peter said, Lord, where would we go? And so I land on that a lot of times. Well, where would I go? For me, what excites me is the outward focus, uh, serving others, you know, the push to do that. I mean, I love that direction. The church has just changed so much, and the energy level, um, I, I have told many people, you know, I feel like that the church is the best it's ever been. I know that I've grown so much as a Christian over these years. It's a privilege to see something from the very beginning and still here. Watching the church change and grow, watching the community around us change so that the message has stayed the same, but how we say, tell the message has got to change. I have great hopes that our church is gonna to continue to grow and love and change and serve. It's important that we stay tuned into the culture around us, but it's more important that the message stay clear. And, Jesus be presented as the whole point. I want to take this opportunity this morning to welcome each and every one of you to Alpine Chapel Online. I have to tell you that uh, I have been excited to preach this message for a long time. And I'm excited about what today holds for us as a church, not just in this message and how he's going to challenge us as individuals and as a church. And when I say challenge, I really do mean encourage us. I'm also excited about today when we get to gather outside at four o'clock and just proclaim who we are in Jesus that God is doing something new. I believe, church, that he is leading the church today out of captivity and out of exile, whether we knew we were there or not. 
there was a captivity to worldliness, a captivity to religion, to the lies of our past, to the woundedness and brokenness of our past, to things that we don't even know are keeping us from God. Idolatry, the list goes on. I believe that God loves his church, his people so much that he is leading us to a promised land. The new thing that he has been doing for a long time. And when that happens, we have to face the wilderness. We have to face the Red Seas of our lives. We have to face the, the challenges where fear comes. But because of Jesus in us, courage causes us to rise up in the hope that God has promised us. We have to cross some rivers. We have to see some walls torn down. We have to fight some giants. But we have been promised a promised land, a promised land. And that land today is every area of our heart that God wants to set free so that we are fully devoted to him in every way. It's our families, it's our neighborhoods, our community, and our world. I want to make this statement and I want you to hear it because I believe the hope of Jesus is breaking forth in his church like never before. I have such a hope today in what God is doing right now, what he's been doing all along and what he will do because of who he is and because of what he's promised for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's making us into the image of Jesus. And so I say this with boldness that to live with hope, hear this, is to defiantly, Hold to the coming kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom is near. He showed up to bring the kingdom of God on earth. And so to live with hope is to live defiantly, holding to the coming kingdom despite what you see today or even what you experienced yesterday. I want to say it again. To live with hope is to defiantly hold to the coming kingdom despite what you see today or even what you experienced yesterday. Why? And I want you to hear this because God is reconciling the world to himself. I know it doesn't always feel like it. I know it doesn't always look like it. Matter of fact, if you read the book of Revelation, what he will step into doesn't look like he's necessarily reconciling, but we don't have a clear picture because we only see partially, but he sees fully. He is reconciling the human heart. He is reconciling the world. He is doing what he has always said that he will do, and we have to believe it with everything that's in us, that if we will submit our lives to him, if we will submit every part of our family life to him, every part of who we are as a church, he will lead us into that new thing that he is doing. The new thing God is doing is reconciling us, shaping us into disciples, into reconcilers, image bearers, and co-laborers that who we are as the children of God and what we've been placed here to do is be reconcilers of people because we are invited into the mission of God. See, we hold tight to that mission that God is reconciling the world. He's making all things new. In Isaiah, it says, the Lord says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. See, it doesn't matter how bad life gets. It doesn't stop the new thing God is doing. Because God is who he says he is and is doing everything he said he would do. And we are experiencing that in our lives if we let him. And we are experiencing that in this church. He goes on to say, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, carrying this theme of new thing. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning I have 
I have submitted to the Lordship of Christ. I want to enjoy Jesus forever. And it begins right now. I am submitting everything about what I want and desire and long for into his hands. I am holding loosely. I am in Christ. He is the Son of God. And I... I receive everything he did on the cross and not just on the cross, but in the grave. And as he rose from the tomb, I have this hope because I believe all of that is true and I live for him and not for me. And that's hard. I want you to get a picture of that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, all that God has done for us, I didn't do anything. I just received it and accepted it. The new creation has come. The old has gone. And I want to say something about that because, yes, the old is gone, but sometimes as followers of Jesus, we have to go back into our past and into our life and name some of those old things that we still allow the enemy to use in our life. For good or for bad, we have to name those. Where we made agreements where he fed a lie and we believed it to be true or somebody did something to us and we never forgave and that bitterness has worked through our hearts. Maybe there's brokenness and woundedness. We have to name those. Yes, the old is gone. That is the promise. But we need to live in the newness because he says the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. See, it's really hard to take people where we haven't been, but because we are in Christ, we have experienced that and are experiencing that. And he has that for us. And when you experience that, you become a mouthpiece for God, co-laborer. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God fully, church, fully. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become, become, become. He is making all things new, become the righteousness of God. God, I pray in these moments that you would challenge our very hearts, that if for any way there is hesitancy to following you, for, for any reason there is a hardening of our heart in any way toward you or your people or what you're wanting to do, I pray in the name of Jesus, your Holy Spirit would come and through humility soften every one of our hearts to receive. That we would have ears to hear and not just be hearers of the word, but doers because it is a joy to serve Jesus in your name. Amen. You want to know what keeps us from being this new creation, these ambassadors of Jesus? It's living in the past, living in our sin, living in our lies, living in our brokenness, living in our worldliness. And, and we're learning what that means. And it's important that we live in community so that we can understand that better because it's really hard to know me outside of community, outside of a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. Living in our worldliness, living in our agreements, that we have made or, or, or we have allowed to shape who we are instead of what God believes about us. The lies the enemy tells us and has told us for years. An inability to admit that I'm actually not okay. Now we've been taught, especially in America, especially as, as men, to have this tough exterior that we've got to be strong and am I enough do I have what it takes? Which has caused us a lot of times to hide what's really happening in our lives. As women, am I too much? Am I worth fighting for? 
Where do these insecurities in all of us come and the, the desire to please that we have this veneer that we're not letting people in? It's just an inability to admit that I'm not okay. We live in a culture right now that's heavily addicted to porn, men and women, and yet we're afraid to discuss it. We're numbing ourselves with alcohol and drugs of all sorts just to make it through a day. Our lives have us so paralyzed with fear and insecurity. We have this inability to just say, I'm not okay. And yet if we would, I believe that would be an invitation to the Holy Spirit and to the community of saints to come around us and just be present in a way where God can begin a healing work in humility, that we can stop living to be what everybody else wants us to be and we would live to be who God has called us to be. Before we can bring the ministry of reconciliation, we must experience that new thing for ourselves. Kingdom now, heaven now. Listen, I want you to know, look at the screen right now. God, if you're a child of God, if you've given your heart and life to him, if you have a desire that, that your life be like Jesus, you need to know that God has a longing to just enjoy you and desires that you enjoy him. He loves you. He adores you. He's not mad at you. He wants to walk with you, talk with you, be with you, transform you from the inside out, the old really being gone and the new here. A new thing impacts your life as an individual and our life as a church. We aren't simply talking about change for Alpine. We're talking about the deep change that God is wanting to do in each one of us. The problem is we're trying to put new wine in old wineskins. We're, we're trying to put new wine in old wineskins, and it doesn't work. Matter of fact, Jesus tells us it doesn't work. Luke 5, 36 through 39, this is our passage for the morning. No one tears a piece of a new garment to patch an old one. If they do, they'll have a torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. Jesus is talking as if we know this, and they would have known this in his day. And people do not pour new wine into old wineskins. When he's saying this, people are like, of course they don't. We know that. If they do, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And none of you, after drinking old wine, wants the new. For you say, the old is better. And I would say, listen, the old isn't better if it causes you to miss the new. And we hold so tight to the old. And Jesus is talking about the new thing that he is doing in the world and in people's hearts and lives. And the people around him were holding to old forms. And he's saying, oh man, you don't put new wine in new wineskins. The reference of the two parables is simple and clear. In most cultures, cloths shrink when it's washed. Would be true about us. And if you put an unwashed piece of material onto cloth that's already shrunk, when you wash it, it will shrink and tear. Partially fermented wine was stored in wineskins. But as the fermentation process continued, it produced more gases, and so it stretched the wineskin, which was made from the height of a goat. An old wineskin, which was no longer elastic, could not stretch for the new wine, and so you needed to use new skins for the current year's wine production, or they would break, and you would lose the skin and the wine. It's simply saying, you say, you don't do it. You just don't, there are some things you just don't do. You don't do that. 
Jesus compares our relationship with him to pouring wine into wineskins. We must put the new wine into the new wineskins because the new wineskins have the potential for growth and expansion. The new wineskins have potential for growth and expansion. He's talking both about us as individuals, our heart, and he's speaking about the church and the forms and the vehicles and the methods that we utilize to grow in him. We love to hold on to old things. I don't know if you're like that. Um, I have a particular shirt. It's gray. I love to wear it under things, um, but it's old, but it's cool. I just love the way it fits. I love the way it feels. I love the, and it's, old. It has uh, a hole in it. And yet I feel like I can hide that hole. And yet I can't because people have pointed it out and it, and it used to actually fit really nice, but in the last six months, it doesn't fit. It's a medium and I'm wearing a large now, um, as a confession. And so it doesn't, but I still want to wear it, but then it's like a belly shirt and it's just like, let it die, like throw it away have a funeral for it. Let it go. The whole thing. But we love to hold on to old things. God is always doing new things in our life. The thing is, we can't experience them fully and benefit from them the way we're intended to if we aren't ready for them. If we're holding so tight, I did a, a, an illustration one time where there were some rings hanging and I got up on the rings and we were talking about how God has something new for us. And yet to get to the new thing, we've got to let go of the old thing to get over. And yet sometimes we just want to hang on because that's safe. That feels okay. But if we'll let go, we'll swing into what God has for us. And that relates here. We can't experience the new thing God has fully and benefit from them the way we're intended to if we're not ready for them. In fact, we'll even suffer from these new things if we're not ready for them. What God brings for your freedom, we actually end up running from because we're not ready. And I guess the point of this message is to say, let's get ready. Let's get our hearts ready. Let's get this church ready for the new things that God is calling us into as his church. The promised land he's going to lead us into. The way we have to go to get there that will be difficult, but we're ready. The Lord Jesus said to the old wineskins, said that old wineskins will burst when new wine is poured on them. He's saying that old mindsets, even if based on godly principles, still won't be able to handle new and creative ideas fresh out of revelation from God's word. This is what happened to the Pharisees. See, the reason Jesus is saying this to begin with is because Jesus' disciples weren't fasting, but John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples were fasting, and they didn't understand. And Jesus is saying to them, listen, I'm here. And while I'm here, they don't have to fast. There'll be a time for that form, but that's not right now. We're going to set that aside because I'm here. And it was the Pharisees form. It was their vehicle. It was their religion. It was the thing that they were holding on to that they had created that kept them from seeing Jesus for who he was. May our obsession to what was our own creation not keep us from seeing Jesus. Even if it was a revelation of the past, even if it was something that we felt was needed now, Jesus was saying, no, for now that's set aside. There will be a time for that. We have to have the wisdom to know when to let go and when to grab hold. We always hold to the mission of God. And that's what keeps us firm because the vehicles will change. The way God moves and works will change. The disciples were able to receive his teachings 
How were they able to do that? It's because they were new wineskins. They were humble. They knew that there was a lot they didn't know and, and, and were confused about and needed. And so they opened their hearts to Jesus and just listened. And it didn't always come easy. Ask Peter. The Pharisees had a set of rules so rigid that if anyone wouldn't align with their interpretation of Scripture, they would say they're wrong. These people are wrong. The disciples didn't have the baggage. They simply took Jesus at his word. Oh, I'd love to get back to just taking Jesus at his word. If we want to be able to receive Jesus' teachings, we've got to become new wineskins. If we want to be able to receive and embrace new revelation from God's word, we've got to become new wineskins. New wineskins equals a readiness for the new things of God. It's open-handed saying, God, you have something for us for today. And we want to be part of whatever that is, whatever you want to do in me, whatever you want to do in your church, in my family, in my community, I am here and ready. Shape me. Let me be a mouthpiece for you as individuals and as a church, this local expression of the body of Christ. Do you want to be a new wineskin? And if you do, here's something that you have to do. You have to stop enjoying old wine. That's hard. There will be a tension in what you know and have experienced and what you don't know. But hear me, what's coming is better. And when you see it, you will wonder why you wanted the old thing. And that is so often true. Why was I resistant when if it's God who is leading, you will never be disappointed. As a matter of fact, Romans 5 says hope doesn't disappoint. It just doesn't. Jesus doesn't disappoint. He does not disappoint. Well, he disappoint. No, he doesn't disappoint. Never. Honor the old. Yes, absolutely. It got us to here. But a lot of times what got you here won't get you there. The new gets better with time. Man, the day of Pentecost began a movement. It started small, but boy, did it get better. If you, as you read Acts, it's amazing what God does in and through his church that was different than what they'd experienced up to that point. When the Holy Spirit shows up and leads us, church, it's powerful. People remain old wineskins because they still enjoy old wine. See, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. He's saying, here's what's good. Here's what's good news. The kingdom of God is right now. Repent and believe. And you know what he does from that moment on? Is he invests in those who respond to the new thing that's happening. He invests in those who respond. I believe that's true today. I believe Jesus and the Holy Spirit will invest in those who respond to what God is doing today. Not what he did yesterday. Not what we think he may be doing. But what we know through the leading of the Holy Spirit he's doing. He will respond. People remain old wineskins because they still enjoy old wine. They enjoy what's familiar to them. They can't leave their comfort zones. They're not willing to trade what they find comfortable and trustworthy for something that can only be done through faith. We are on a faith journey for sure. And I just have to tell you, Sometimes for the Israelites, the promised land wasn't always clear, but they knew God promised it and they trusted. And sometimes we won't fully know what it looks like. And there will be questions and there will be a time of, of fear where we will need to respond in courage. Sometimes it will be clear. Sometimes it will be a fog, but we know that God is leading us. And so we will step in faith when it isn't clear and we will follow God. The Lord Jesus himself said that old wineskins stay that way because they can't embrace the new wine. Luke 5, 39, and no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. What's wrong with the old? 
We've got to stop looking back and comparing the former with the new. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God, Luke 9, 62. So how do we do that? If we want to be a new wineskin, we've got to forget the former. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is promising that what we get to experience today is the thing he is doing today. We've got to let go of the boxes of familiarity and comfort we've stuffed ourselves in. We've got to throw away all the limited perceptions that we've had about God and what he can do. We've got to trust and follow his word by faith. As individuals, God may be wanting to do something so different in you than what he's ever done. Are Are you ready for what God is wanting to do in you? It's not easy because oftentimes when we experience something one way, it's really hard to let go of those experiencing experiences knowing that God might be doing something completely different this time. And yet if we'll let him, he will do significant, powerful things in and through our lives as individuals and as an organization. I believe God um, didn't cause an interruption with this virus. He is causing a reformation. He is reshaping and reforming who we are. Here's what that looks like for us as a church. And I'm going to try to speak this as clear as I can. And if you've been watching for the past six months, this will make sense. And if you haven't, this may be difficult to process and and it's going to take some time and it will become clear. But more than anything, and I want you to hear this, we need to be a church that's submitted to God in prayer. We need to be a praying church. When you pray, you communicate it as an individual and as an organization, as his church, your dependence on God for everything. We cannot do this in our own strength. I can't live for Jesus by myself without God. I can't lead a church. You can't be part of a church. We can't impact this world without God. We have to submit to him in prayer. We have to call upon his holy name. We have to invite him into everything that we're doing. We have to be part of what he's blessing, not ask him to bless what we're doing. We have to be led by his Holy Spirit and that happens in prayer. And so we've decided as a church that every Wednesday night we are going to gather here at seven o'clock and we are going to learn to pray. And I know for some of us, we don't even know what that looks like. We struggle in our own individual prayer life, let alone coming together and pray. But as a church, we're going to begin to teach each of us, each of you, what it looks like to be people who pray and depend on God. And I want to go one step further and say this, is that real growth happens in groups. Real growth happens in biblical community. And I'm going to say this to you, and I want you to hear this. When I say biblical community, church, I am not speaking about a structure, though it's not less than structure. And there are a lot of ways to experience biblical community. I can experience that with an individual. I can experience that with a couple guys. I can experience that as couples. You can experience that with just a few women. You can experience that for a day, for an hour, for a week, for a year, for a lifetime. But biblical community isn't about the structure. It's about the DNA that we bring to the group so we grow. And that DNA is that we would learn to be known. Real discipleship is when my whole story is on the table with the people of God and I am not judged and I don't feel the pressure to fix you or you fix me, that we hold that space. It is what it is. We are not judging it. We are not shaming it. We are not guilting it. But we are simply saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say in this moment? We are being 
being led by the Spirit. It is knowing and being known. And we have to learn to do that. And I know a lot of us don't even know what that looks like. We want to help you in this season learn what that is. It's trust that brings transparency. Man, I trust this group. I believe that, that you have my best interest, that you have received the love of God, therefore you can love me and you're gonna hold this space and I can trust that. And so I'm going to be transparent. I have, I have cared all my life what people think and I am just done. I'm gonna put it out there in trust and we are going to be a people that hold that trust and celebrate transparency and then lean in with truth and grace. We are gonna hold one another accountable. We're gonna ask hard questions like, what is God asking you to do that you just aren't doing? Because more often than not, the sin of omission is greater than the sin of commission. Too often, evil triumphs because good people do nothing. And God is calling every one of us. You are in this church because God has brought you here for such a time as this. And he has a place for you. And he has a purpose for you. And as you lean into that, we're going to hold you accountable in biblical community. And lastly, it's spirit leading. If the same spirit in you is the same spirit in me, and that's the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, then he knows you and he knows me. And we can live together in that. And we can speak truth and love to each other in a way that brings healing and hope. It's DNA. I bring it. I don't go do community. I bring community. I am community. And I've, I'm learning that whether, whether that's people that know God or people that don't know God, if that is who I am inside, then I can go and hold that space for believers and non-believers. It is structure. Whether that's one opportunity for that or five opportunities, I know that all week long, all week long, I have people that I can call that check on me, that are led by the Holy Spirit. I have had people check on me when I was in a, in a just a struggling moment. And in that moment, someone checked because they just sensed that they needed to check. God led them. The Holy Spirit led them. What would happen, church, if we were so saturated in biblical community that is DNA, not just structure, that all through our week, that biblical community is leaning in and we're part of it and we're growing and changing as a result. Not just a bunch of people who gather together and talk about superficial things, but we do both well. It's submission in prayer. It's growing in groups. It's glorifying God in our gatherings. Our gatherings have to stop being about the consumption of religious goods and services where we walk away just feeling good. We needed that to get through the week. It's not the end of the week. It becomes not the beginning of the week where I got to get my fill so I make it through the week. Nobody eats once a week and survive. You just don't do it. It's the end of the week because I've been obedient, because I have community, because I'm healing and growing, that we get to come together and celebrate what God is doing in your life and in my life. Celebrate who he is with his word and in worship, a celebration of our obedience and the goodness and greatness of God. It is submission and prayer. It is growing in groups. It is glorifying in gatherings. And because we are becoming free in our hearts, we go fight giants. There are giants in the land church and God has called his church with the power and authority of Jesus Christ to do, go do greater things than what he would do. And we get to step into a broken, lost world and fight the giant of spiritual emptiness and oppression and poverty and disease and illiteracy together. This church becomes a place of hope because we have it. And the people who need it are going to come and we're going to go find them. And the people who don't even think they need hope are going to come and be part of it and find Jesus in the process. That's the hope of Jesus. Do you want to be a new wineskin as an individual in a church? Some of the things we hold on to spiritually are just like my favorite church. 
my favorite shirt. We got to let them go. They served us for a time, but God has something new. Some of the things we hold on to spiritually are just like that. They worked fine for a season, but it's time to let them go and take on the new thing God desires for us. They will allow us to continue to grow up and not stay stuck in how we saw ourselves or how we perceived us in the past or how others perceived us in the past. The longer we walk, the longer we've walked with God, the greater challenge we have not to become an old wineskin, but stay new, fresh, and flexible with the work of God in and around us. That's the journey we're on as a church, is to stay open to every new thing God has for us, being faithful. The older generation always pays the price of change. It's hard, but you need to understand the older generation, we need you. We need you to continue to model, to speak into our hearts and lives, but change gets harder as we get older. It's hard, but we need you. What are the areas that cause us to operate as old wineskin? Let me give these to you real quick because I think these are important for us to identify. Maybe I'm operating in an old wineskin. Maybe my heart is hard. Maybe there's areas I'm just not ready for this change, and I want to identify those. The first one is fear. Fear will cause us to avoid change and try to control things instead of trusting God. Wherever fear is in our hearts, we have to get rid of them. Those will impact new wineskin. Those will keep us from experiencing the new things of God. Tradition. Some tradition is good, but oftentimes tradition makes us so comfortable doing things a certain way that we're not open to change. And we have got to be willing to set all of that aside. It will keep us in a box. It will keep God in a box. Pride. Pride creates a mindset that we only want to receive from certain people, but others don't have much to offer us. We want to lay that pride aside. The Bible says God opposes the proud. We want to be willing to be admonished, to be taught, to be teachable. We have to lay that pride aside. I believe I can learn from just about anyone something, especially when God is at work and using them. I can't tell you what I've learned from my kids. Reputation. We don't want anything to affect how we're perceived. We've been attending church for a long time, and it can make us think that we're actually more mature than we really are. Let me talk about this reputation piece. We don't want anything to affect how we're perceived. Reputation, which keeps us from being fully vulnerable and laying our story, which keeps us from the healing hope of Jesus, which keeps us from going out and seeing others free because we don't know what it looks like ourselves. We got to lay that aside. Yeah, we 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 want to live above reproach, but we don't want to be so wrapped up in our reputation that it's not okay to not be okay. The last one that causes us to operate in the old wineskin. I, I said it initially. Attending church for a long time can make us think that we're more mature than we really are. I think that's true. As a result, we're offended by anything that challenges our thinking or our mindset, and yet maybe our mindset isn't based in Scripture. It's just a mindset because we had an experience that caused it to shape something deeper than God had for us. I've said this several times. I'll say it again. These days haven't changed us. They've revealed us. And God wants to work in that revelation and make us whole. Some of the characteristics of fresh or new wineskins are this. You're teachable. We're willing to receive and change. We can learn from any or most situations and people. There's a teachability. That's a, that's a sign of a new wineskin. 
we stay flexible. We're willing to shift our mindset about things. And repentance actually grows out of this flexibility. I'm holding loosely because I know God's going to reveal things about my life, lies that aren't true. And I'm going to see those and I'm going to repent of those because they haven't done me any good. They haven't served me well. And I'm going to repent of those and let them go flexible because God has a lot of good things to show us and we want to be repenting every time he reveals. Growing without much resistance to be right with God is more important than to be right in our stance. We got to be willing to say we're wrong and stop resisting so much of what God is wanting to do and say, God, what are you doing? Not being afraid of something new because we haven't seen or experienced it before. I'm sure the Israelites, as they left Egypt, saw a lot of things for the first time. And all along the way, God was just saying, I know that maybe you've never been here before, but you're headed toward a promised land. Trust me, God is always on the move. And he he can do what he wants and he is not bound by our experiences to operate in a certain way. So let's, let's embrace the new. Continue to receive revelation through the word of God and his spirit. Getting fresh insight and revelation from the Lord is absolutely paramount to staying fresh as a new wineskin. We are letting the word of God keep us humble and soft. Lastly, staying free from tradition and the fear of man. We have to focus on God's move and work in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit should override any other voice in our lives. Otherwise, we have limited God's voice only to what is acceptable to us or those around us. We have to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. We have to learn. That's going to be something we have to learn. There's a lot of new, and with new comes a, an unlearning so we can learn. And I would just challenge us as a church that this as a church that this is the time to be so open to learning new things of what God has for us. To not be convinced we've got it all together, that our stance or our take is the take, but to hold really loosely and say, God, what do you have for me? To be saturated by his word and to surround ourselves with the church so that we can live in this freedom that we can go tell the world about because they need to know it. What kind of wineskin are you today? Do we struggle with change? Do we find plenty of excuses not to face change? Or do we embrace change and growth in the Lord regardless of the source of the change? We have to ask ourselves, what about us? What about our own heart is hard? And what is it that's just maybe slow to new ideas? And we got to be very aware so that as we lean in, we can be the people God has called us to be. New wine is being poured into new wineskins. We must be new wineskins. So what is the new wine God is pouring into your life at this moment? What does it look like as we live into the identity God has for us as individuals and as a church? We need to become a praying church. And so I'm going to invite you every Wednesday night to join us here at 7 o'clock, and we're going to learn to pray. And it might be hard. It might, it, it might be a struggle at first. We're going to lean in. Prayer is hard. Prayer is a struggle. That's why the enemy of our soul keeps us from doing it. But we have to communicate to God and to this world and to one another that we cannot do this without him. And so we're going to begin to pray and call on the Holy Spirit to fill this church, to use us, to go into this world and fight giants and see people come to know Jesus and be free from captivity. I believe God is calling us to that. He is pouring new wine into new wineskins. And I don't know about you, but as an individual and as a church, I want to be new wineskins.
Thanks for taking the time this morning to be part of what God is doing in our church family. Sunday mornings during this pandemic have been crucial in understanding where God and His Holy Spirit is leading us. For the past three years, God has been doing a defining work in us as a church and as individuals. Understanding our identity as children of God and what that means to join God's mission of reconciliation in the world means we must have hearts that are soft and we must be an organization that holds tight to mission, God's mission, but really loose to methods. That's both hard and yet incredibly exciting because we aren't in this alone. We have each other and we have the presence of God going before us. Yeah, God's word says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And yet Paul tells us in Romans that Jesus's hope does not disappoint. What happens when our God-given faith collides with this hope that is a confident expectation of a better tomorrow, a free tomorrow, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and relationally, all because of the character and promises of God. It allows us to not just experience that hope ourselves, but to be hope bringers to a world in desperate search of real hope. It's the king of the kingdom having announced his rule and reign, ruling the hearts of his kids in a way that changes their hearts and sends them into a broken world to fight the giants of injustice, a collective of hope. We believe God is calling us out as a church to be his people, his image bearers, and co-laborers in the mission of reconciliation. God is making all things new, and we get to be part of it. What an invitation. We believe God has prepared us for this moment, a people called by his name, humbled and yet honored in this moment to declare our God-given identity as individuals and as a church. 